0: This is Frontierland
1: with Dr. Dean Allen.
0: The Sport Legends Trust was founded in 2003 by a group of South African sports enthusiasts to provide assistance and improve the quality of life of past international and provincial sportspersons and their families in times of need. I caught up with some sporting legends who were in Kiberka recently to offer their support to this worthwhile yet little-known cause. Former cricketer and well-known commentator Trevor Quirk was in town, as was Bossy Clark, the former Western Province rugby and cricket player, who is the managing trustee of the Sports Legends Trust. Rupert Spook Hanley, famous for taking a hat-trick of wickets against the mighty West Indies, was also in attendance. A talented artist, Spook has gone on to be as well-known for his paintings as his fast bowling. It was a pleasure, too, to share some memories with Hugh Page, the fast bowler who was the South African Cricket of the Year in 1985. Enjoy this trip down memory lane, all for a good cause. So we're here in the uh, South of pub. You can hear the atmosphere in the background, which is lovely. And uh, we've got a room full of, uh, I could say, sporting legends. And um, but somebody here that you would have heard of, I've uh, got with me now, is this uh, legendary, if I may say so, sports broadcaster Trevor Quirk. L- lovely to see you, Trevor. And uh, how's it feel to be back in Port Elizabeth? Oh, I always love to come to Port Elizabeth because... Uh, this was
2: almost my first uh, area of doing cricket commentary because the great Charles Fortune, in the good old radio days, he always did the Wanderers and that, that area. And Kim um, Shippey said to me one day, I want you to go down to Port Elizabeth and do the commentary there. And uh, uh, the great uh, Sid, Levy he used to be the sort of commentator, but he was getting on, and uh, Kim sort of put him out to pasture. And so I used to come down and uh, do all the commentary here. It was quite strange actually, because I was playing Curry Cup cricket for Northern Transvaal at the same time, but we only played like every second weekend. So I would play a match, say against Transvaal, and then I would come down here and broadcast Eastern Province, Western Province, and then the two weeks later I would play against Western Province or Eastern Province so it was quite funny commentating on the guys that you were actually going to play against in a Curry Cup match that was but, quite uh, unusual sure, very unusual and uh, I was young still then and, but I loved coming to PE to the the point of I made so many friends here and I I became almost I think sort of an institution at Old Grey Club uh, and sometimes I even used to lock up at the end of the day there I mean that's how we used to party in those days and uh, I, I just loved PE and so it's always great to come back these days I only really come back every year to do the golf day uh, the sports legends trust golf day which
0: is always a big success at humid and uh, that's why we're back here again. No, it's a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic initiative. We'll talk about how it was formed. But for me, you can just see the passion and the and the camaraderie in that room as the old guys start uh, talking. Of course, a lot of them probably from those glory days, that wonderful um, EP Eastern Cape team of the late 80s, um, where they've where you can see the the memories are coming back, but they've maintained that bond, which is amazing. What can you tell us about that team?
2: Well, it was a very good team, obviously, you know, and it it was like the mean machine of Transvaal in many ways, and uh, that's why I used to love coming down here to broadcast. uh, So many of the guys that you see here, you feel as though I've played against them, and I have played against some of them, um, but others, of course, I was just commentating on, and uh, that, that was a very, very good team, and it's great to see. Uh, some of the, the old chaps like Keith Reed and um, and Eric Kringle, and uh, Stryker Stradum and all those other guys, uh, Clive Wilson. And, you know, uh,
0: what, what made that team so special was it was it was it, was it a team? Did you have some star individuals? But what made them stand out? Because up to that side, up to that um, era, they were looking at the mean machine. Those kind of those kind of players from up north. I think that they um, they had quite a lot of depth. so they had a, a
2: decent bowling attack, and they also had good batting, and people at the the lower end who could actually contribute. Uh, a few good runs so uh, they were just a nicely balanced all round side
0: uh, that was scared of nobody and uh, they used to actually give everybody a hell of a game. We know that uh, Port Elizabeth, Quebec is, uh, is really, if you look at its sports history, I mean it's where, where cricket began the first test match of course at St George's what makes sport special in this town is it always is it is it got a sport, special sporting ethos compared with some of the other probably well more more established cricketing centers well I just think it's it's got the history uh,
2: which is wonderful and uh, you know they're still at St George's after all these years so all those sort of things make it a very important stop in, in the sporting calendar. Uh, it's a bit sad that the rugby side doesn't do as well as it used to at one stage and uh, uh, but there's a lot of you know they call it the friendly city and that I can vouch for because I've had wonderful times here and um, I mean there's so many great sportsmen that come out of this area and um, you know I think it's it's sport is a great tradition in Port Elizabeth, the Eastern Cape,
0: and uh, they continue to churn out top players. So you're happy to be back here. It seems, seems like it's, a, it's almost a spiritual home for you in terms of your, your commentary days, your playing days, but now your golfing days. How's the golf going, by the way?
2: Well, my golf is very ordinary these days, shall we put it that way. But I've always loved, uh, and you know, the, the lovely thing about it in the old days, when I used to come down here to commentate on a curry cup match or whatever, or play against Eastern Province. we weren't allowed to play on a Sunday in those days there was no sport on a Sunday and that was always fantastic because on the Sunday we could then get in a game of golf and we either played at uh, Humewood or we played at the Hill or out at Wedgwood Park and and so I always looked forward to that and that was fantastic and uh, I just have always loved coming here,
0: the friendship, the camaraderie, and uh, people are very keen on this sport. Talking about camaraderie, I, I, I feel I've got to mention a, a, an absolute dear, great friend of yours, someone who I had the privilege to meet, the late, great Robin Jackman. Um, a raconteur of, of, of no equal, I mean, I've been in his company, I don't think there was any subject that he didn't have a funny story that he could turn his hand to. Um, I'd love to just share with you a a story that Robin told me. We both are Englishmen that fell in love with South Africa once he heard my passion for this place and uh, perhaps the fact we challenged the authority in England a couple of occasions you may have heard this story he told me once he was commentating at Lourdes the home of cricket of course and he had to get from the SABC studios across I believe the BBC or the radio studios for that to happen he had to go through the members area at, at Lourdes so the day before as Robin would do he did his he did his planning and he saw the uh, he saw the doorman on the on the members on the members stairway there as you probably know we'll call him we'll call him jack for argument's sake so he said jack tomorrow i need to cut through here on my way to the other studios of course mr jackman welcome home to the home of cricket sir you're welcome He said, well, the day turned up when he had to make this trip across, and uh, Robin, as you know, always had that advice. You never rush when you're going to do commentary. Better late than out of breath. So he gets to the doorman, and he said it it was a warm day, which was unusual, of course, in London, and he said he had his England blazer and his England tie on, ready for this dash across the members' area. To which point he saw he saw Jack at the door and he said, hey, good morning, and good morning Mr. Jackman. And he said, I had my jacket over my shoulder and I walked past him and I walked up the stairs, to which there was a call. Mr. Jackman, sir, Mr. Jackman, your jacket, sir. He uh, stopped, he said, I went to put it on. He said, no, please come outside and put it on and re-enter the establishment. That was something that I always remember. There's a man that played test cricket for his country, but still the decorum at Lords demanded that, Isn't oh, that amazing? Absolutely,
2: I mean uh, in fact the right turret of of Lord's, the main pavilion is where we were sitting broadcasting and I handed over to the next commentator for his half hour stint uh, and I did the same thing, I was desperately required to go to the gents and so I just rushed out of the commentary box and I had to go down two flights of stairs and as I was going down I just heard that same call your jacket sir your jacket and I thought if I now stop go up the stairs again to go and get my jacket it might all be too late so I just ignored it went in to the gents uh, and came out again and all the way
0: back up to my commentary box your jacket
2: sir your jacket
0: (laughs) No, it was something I really admired about Robin. He 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 understood uh, what it was to be an Englishman in South Africa. I I feel we were both certainly adopted South Africans. Um, and I spent, I, I spent a, a good few uh, lunchtimes with him. Not at the Olympic Club and not as much as, as the time you spent with him. But isn't that a, a, a measure of the man that whoever he was with, he made comfortable? I remember my uh, my wife. It was her first ever cricket match. She's Slovakian. And she's a sports fan. And she tried to get into the game and understood. And Robin sat there with, it, with her and uh, explained the rules. And as the wine flowed, uh, the laughter was just incredible. You know? Yeah, he was a great storyteller and... Uh, you know, uh, in many ways,
2: I got him into commentary uh, when he finished uh, managing Western Province. And uh, so I said to him, you know, why why don't you have a go come and commentate uh, And he'd not done television at that stage. He'd done quite a bit of radio in England. Um, and he took to it like that. I mean, he was a natural. and. Uh, Funny enough, my very first Curry Cup game, I played, and that's when I met Robin. He was playing for Rhodesia with Mike Proctor. They had a tremendous side that were playing in our Curry Cup in those days. And I played against Rhodesia in my first ever Curry Cup match, and Robin was playing in it. And we hit it off and became lifelong friends. And uh, we then toured the world together commentating uh, to every cricket playing nation in the world and uh, and when he retired and i retired from broadcasting we used to have at least two long lunches a week and sometimes three and then inevitably despite the long lunch we ended up Olympics. (laughs) Olympics. <laughs> and we came a second home to him, and I was often there with him.
0: There. He did invite me there once or twice, but I knew I had a lot to do probably later in the week, and it would have cost me that. To- But um, no wonderful memories and a a dear dear man and I think we were blessed and you were certainly blessed to call him one of your closest friends. Yeah, the silver fox. (laughs) I miss him desperately. No, but it's so it's so good to have you back in Port Elizabeth. um, If I may call you quirky, as most people do, and uh, and I hope you enjoy your golf tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk more about what you're here for with the other chaps. But have a wonderful time and welcome back to Port Elizabeth. Thanks very much, Dean. Thank you.
3: you.
0: So I'm here with uh, uh, Bossy Clark now, Um, the party's continuing Bossy, we're having a wonderful time and uh, for me the atmosphere is fantastic, you can hear the stories, those glory days of the sport, but you're the man behind this, I mean you're the the managing trustee of, of this Sports Legends Trust, before we go on to some of your sporting exploits that I want to talk about, can you just explain what the Trust is about and the purpose and how it came about? It you know, really started in
3: uh, sort of the later part of my rugby career, where a friend of mine, I think names should be not mentioned, um, passed, and he is his his, 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 let's say his family were left destitute, and that sort of sparked something in my in my demeanour, maybe me, who I am. Um, Previously, as well, there was Chris Berger who today is. You've got the Chris Berger Fund where it's only rugby. And I just thought that maybe um, that should be carried through rather than rugby only to, to all the sports. Um, initially, it was, I must be honest with you, it was a commercial thought, a commercial way of making money in a, in a way because having played rugby and cricket, I thought that maybe. You know, there is a way of, but ultimately that passed very quickly. To make money out of friends and things like that, that just didn't do me any, 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 any gel at all. So, yes. Um, and then the empathy struck me, and I thought, well, maybe the way to do this then is to do fall sports and get a team around me to actually. Um, be able to support those sports people, whether it be wives themselves, gender, no gender, no race, uh, whatever, and 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 to support them in in, in moments of stress, and 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 dem- uh, we're in demise, you know. And and really, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, there are a lot of sportsmen today who fall by the wayside, uh, not through their own Ways, um, I just unfortunately believe that you know these. The, a lot of sportsmen are taken up to a point where they are heralded as heroes. And it's difficult for a lot of sportsmen to accept that and to leave it. A lot of people go into business and those people are successful. A lot of people can't go into business because they're still hanging on to that thing. So really what I'm saying is, um, yes, we are looking after those sports people that might fall in hard times, whether it be financial, whether it be medical, um, and ultimately that's that's what we try to do.
0: And you're here back in Port Elizabeth, Quebec, and uh, and this feels a special place for you. A lot of the guys in this room, uh, we've just spoken to Trevor Quirk, um, were playing in that that late 18, sorry, 1980 side uh, that successful cricket team. And isn't it wonderful to see these guys reconnect in a way like this?
3: Yes, you know when uh, when we set up the trust deed. Um, the trust deed and a trust have to be run very specifically, and it's it's actually very narrow-minded in its outlook, a trust. Um, I made sure that when the trust deed was set up, we, we, we would put in a clause which is camaraderie. Because at the end of the day, without camaraderie, we couldn't raise the funds that we could by just doing something without the camaraderie, so camaraderie is a very, very important aspect in our in our outlook, uh, the reason for this tonight, and you'll see that a lot of people are friendly you haven't seen each other for a long time, and I think this just generates um, a way of, of making money, uh, and what we also do is we, we, we live on, on communication. Um, One guy will leave here tomorrow and he'll go to a doctor and he'll say "Um, I went to a good place for a good reason, a meeting with a good reason and don't you do um, uh, prosthesis and they'll say yes you can have the prosthesis for nothing and this has happened too many times or many times in our our makeup, where we would go to a doctor and they'll do it for nothing, they'll do the operation for nothing they'll give a prosthesis for nothing um, and, and things
0: like that happen yeah. all the time. Yeah. So if people offer services. I understand that you don't actually give your beneficiaries money as such. You give them what they need in terms of services, support. Correct. It could be legal. It could be. It could even be. It could even help with their groceries. Those those kind of things that that you judge. Um, Am I right in saying that the majority of your beneficiaries come from a certain era, perhaps when there wasn't the money in sport that we see today? Do you find that the case?
3: At the moment, very much so. Um, in fact, yes, most of the time. I just feel that today sportsmen have paid a lot of money and they'll probably live another 10 years of their lives. And, 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 and the history proves that a lot of those sportsmen don't know how to handle their money. And with due respect to a lot of them, and I just believe that sometime that's going to happen, um, where a lot of, you know, past sportsmen, I don't know if to mention names, where they've been heralded as heroes of the world, and suddenly they're not there anymore, and, and that's this empathy that we've got. We want to try and help that. We we're not going to make it public to say this is what's happening, but we'd like to help that situation, which we understand is normal. Yeah.
0: We see that in all sports, even today at the high high level elite sport. Once an athlete has finished their career, often they're—I don't want to use the word cast aside—but they're on their own. Expectancy. The expectancy. We see issues in terms of yeah, not only financial, but we see health, we see mental health in a certain extent, because uh, where their life has been managed, where they've had a structure, a routine, training, playing. Mm-hmm all of a sudden that, that is gone. Falls away. Yeah, a, a large part of what you do is the camaraderie, is the social aspect. It's generating evenings like this where guys can get together, got ladies and men who have played for provincial and, uh, and the country, of course, right. where they can come together and fill that again. Is that With,
3: important? Without the expense, at the expense of the trust. I think okay. it's very important. It's not at the expense of the trust. It is a way of building up more communication, more contacts, to be able to get the money, to be able to help and assist people financially or medical, for that matter.
0: Okay. Now you, let's let's turn the 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 conversation to yourself. What I'm fascinated with. You came from an era where you played both rugby and cricket for your province, Western Province. Can you tell me a little bit about that, and more importantly, memories of playing in this town? We've got a uh, mainly an Eastern Cape audience. What are, have you got? fond memories of playing in Port Elizabeth, or, or did you tend to get beaten when you came here?
3: No, very much so. Um, I actually played against my cousin in the first game I played against him and was actually a little vendetta, but um, it was it was actually quite interesting in the sense that when he was playing for a provincial side. I went up to him and he kept on inviting me to a cocktail party and I was in the army and he said, and I said to him if you can do it I will do it and he actually took that sort of in a way that sort of saying but hang on who's this young upstart here." and I said to him one day and I said I told you I was going to do it. So yes there's a lot of uh, Eastern Cape uh, feelings yes very much so I went to the East, Western Cape and um, I was very fortunate to play cricket under Eddie Barlow and I was very fortunate to be coached by Donnie Craven. Uh, I think you can't get two better coaches in the world uh, ever than those two and I happen to experience both of them and they've taught me so much in life and uh, I, I believe that they've, that's where I am at the moment. You know, I, I just believe that they've taught me so much in life and uh, I, I really appreciate that.
0: No, fantastic names, of course, in South African sports history there. How did you balance the two? Because now children, especially aspiring athletes, uh, are advised to choose one sport and dedicate that. Um, How did you balance them? I mean, two very different sports, rugby and cricket. The seasons perhaps didn't overlap so much in those seasons. Yes,
3: I think it would never happen today. It could never happen today. Um, it was quite a challenge in those days because, um, as, as I said to you, I had Eddie Baller as a cricket coach and I had Donnie Craven as a rugby coach. And, I, and eventually I had to make a decision where I started the season, with, irrespectively. And eventually I had to make that decision as to I would finish the cricket season, and then I would only play rugby. So a lot of times I would get into the rugby season I'd, I'd feel myself behind in the sense that the young, young upstarts coming up and then I wouldn't be playing because I've missed out on the first pressure but that just improved my demeanor is to say well you know don't look for sympathy you've got to do it yourself and and that happened the other way as well the cricket side but I was very fortunate and um, I enjoyed it I really I did two different challenges rugby is totally different to cricket they're totally different friends Um, but I cherish the friends that I've got and I've made a lot of friends and um, I I just believe I'm totally, totally uh, privileged to have been through that situation but I managed it.
0: (laughs) You you did manage it, manage it very well, you're looking very fit that's for sure. Um, The friendship is evident from here tonight. I just want to end by um, can you can you let people know how they could get in touch if they want to support and perhaps even if they um, need some support from yourselves?
3: Yes, very much so, you know, it's um, it's all it's, it's, it's a very sensitive situation, we don't want to f- splash it out, we don't want to let anyone know that we're helping anyone, unless by by, by by chance that he would like to help us do it. We obviously live off a bit of marketing, because we need to know, we need to tell people how many, how many people we've helped, I mean, to be honest with you, I think we've helped over 70 people, and people don't know that. Um, Yes, so uh, what we do is we rely on other people to say uh, to tell us who needs assistance. An evening like tonight will then spark something which we, someone will say but hang on Joe Soap needs help and then what he would do is he'd he'd contact me and I would ask him to fill in a form Uh, obviously because there, 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 there are a lot of situations where people if maybe have got a, a drink problem, we don't want to give cash and then it becomes a, a, an issue. Not that issue, if I'm giving drink as, a, as, as an example rather than a, the, the norm. That they uh, then uh, can come to us and uh, we send them an application form and the application form be filled in by a friend of that particular beneficiary and has sent him to us and then we will decide how we, 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 we disperse the, the funds to him. Uh, to give you one example, we're doing someone at the moment where we're uh, giving him um, food, money for food. I mean, uh, you know, and and, uh, and I think it's, it's been well accepted. You know, and there, there are different ways of doing things like this. You know, it's not necessarily cash, it's not necessarily, but it's like uh, a doctor's uh, free admittance. hospital, free admittance, things like that, communication.
0: No, it's, it's, it's fantastic and I, uh, I I advise anybody I mean, you've got a website of course and people can find you online and I'll share those details as well but I'd just like to end by saying keep up the great work what you're doing as a sportsman myself I miss evenings like this where you get together as I said it, it, you can hear the glory days I'm sure those innings get better those last minute tries get even more Very magnificent so, yeah. and uh, yeah. that's all part of it and it's about playing sport and it's having, that, uh, it's having those memories but it's all about supporting each other as well so absolutely th- thank you yeah. for your time and enjoy and welcome Thanks, back Steve. to the eastern cape and enjoy your golf tomorrow
3: Hope so. hopefully we do thank, thank
0: you. you well i've got the privilege here of speaking to uh, a real eastern cape legend we've got uh, rupert spook hanley anyone who knows their cricket uh, would remember him steaming in I've uh, I've watched a, f- uh, a few of the videos and, uh, and uh, probably the highlight 1983 famous hat trick at the Wanderers. Spook, do you remember each and every ball?
1: Oh, absolutely. No, it was. Uh, you always remember the good moments and uh, you try and forget the bad moments, you know. So. I mean,
0: 1983. That was a decent West Indian team, wasn't
4: it?
1: Well, I think they they were a better team than they are now, if you know what I mean. They had some great players there. I mean Lawrence rogue Alvin Calleller Turranbola Sylvester clock uh, no they, they, they were unbelievably good side
0: great Incre- no incredible stuff I mean sure. I just look looking at the looking at the demeanor of some of those batsmen when you got them out they weren't too pleased
1: well I don't think any batsman's pleased when they get out <laughs> <laughs>
0: but before we go any further and I don't know
1: this story and I'm sure it's a story you've told countless times why spook okay now I'm actually Spook the fifth the fifth yeah and I'm Spook the fifth my my dad we all St Andrews College boys in Grahamstown and uh, we had an old teacher there who was a, a by the name of we used to call him Drac Lucas and he was a student teacher at the beginning of the war and my dad obviously was the eldest and that he was nicknamed Spook I don't know why uh, maybe because he was a skinny guy or whatever He had nothing he didn't have blonde hair he had dark hair and then my two uncles went there and they were both Spooks and then in 1963 my brother went there and Drac Lucas was now a teacher of 80 years old and he said to my dear brother he used to teach maths are you related to Tony Hanley? he said yeah no he's my father he said well then your name is Spook and of course, I followed him, and I was became Spook the fifth. Yeah, so, but it stuck with me because, you know, you be, you get a bit of a name, and you that uh, so it did stick with me a little, lot longer. But my brother still calls Spook amongst a lot of his friends. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And there's nothing more. Uh, there's nothing more you can guarantee than if you've got a nickname in in sport,
1: it's going to stick. No, it sticks. It's, you know, boarding school names always stick. It, it's. You know, if you were a Balker at St Andrews, you were a Buzz Balker. And it didn't matter who you were, you were Buzz Balker. Whether you were related to the original Buzz Bowker, you were Buzz Balker.
0: So tell me, if you were a St Andrews boy, you must have had a decent cricket team going through that, that generation.
1: Oh no, we had some fine players, yeah. Uh, uh, Robbie Armitage uh, was a year behind me uh, and he became, he was a South African player. But then I went to Grey High School for a year. How uh, did that come about? That's an unusual move. Now, now, do you really want to know? Well, I do. OK. Uh, my dad was called in one day, and because uh, I was quite a naughty guy at school, and uh, they said, look here, the, the headmaster said, we're not expelling Rupert, but we do believe he would be far better off at another school. How polite is that? So how polite <laughs> is that? You know, being St. Andrew's College, they're always polite. So I ended up at Grey High School in in PE here. So for what, a I, year. what I don't want to surmise
0: from that is that Grey took the outcasts from St. Andrews. Are we talking?
1: About yeah, that? No, <laughs> and we had some great players, Gavin Cowley. Amazing, who, yeah. You know, Gavin was uh, in our side. In, in the rugby side, we had guys like Neil Povey and all all became Springboks and all the rest. No, no, we had, uh, I enjoyed my year uh, at Grey, I must admit, yeah.
0: And you were, you were closer home? Where was family at that time?
1: No, well, we were all in... in, in, in I lived in Park, about oh. 200 yards from the school. Sain no more so uh, uh, you were absolutely. closer to family
0: and that probably did you the world of good. But absolutely. We're, another thing that people may not know about you, but I'm sure people will know about you, is your, is your, your artistry. You've turned into a well-renowned painter. Yeah. Where did that come about? What was the inspiration and when did you start taking that seriously?
1: I always, uh, always as a kid, enjoyed uh, drawing. My mum was very artistic. Uh, she used to paint quite a lot, but she used to make more dolls and all things. And uh, I, I just enjoyed art. It was as, as, as simple as that. Well, I,
0: I enjoyed art, Spook, but I wasn't very good at it. When did yeah. you know that you had a talent for it?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I ended up at art school and doing all that. I did art at Grey... I was the only guy who did art instead of maths. So it was quite a that was quite a thing. Yeah. It, so I did art instead of math. Then I went to the tech to do art. And uh and then slowly just got into it. And uh
0: and, and, and you've you've sold your paintings commercially, but what about is it some is it a kind of therapy? I've heard artists talk about that. Is it a way of life? You couldn't you couldn't give it
1: up. Yeah, and, uh, I was very fortunate as well. Uh that Nelson Mandela when he was uh, the president someone approached me for work uh, because what happened in those days was uh, uh, the presidents of each country when they visited gave gifts and Mandela used to hand out my paintings to all the visiting dignitaries and when he went overseas So I ended up with paintings with Bill Clinton, Boris Yeltsin, Tony Blair, all the the the, the Queen of Denmark. So I've got a list of paintings where they all ended up going to.
0: Amazing, amazing, uh, cute. know, so it was a. And what what did 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 uh, did Medeba ask for a certain style of painting or no? He 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 just
1: loved wildlife. He wanted to give wildlife, so that's what I painted for him.
0: And how long did you do that
1: for? Well, it's probably for about a year and a half, two years, yeah.
0: And then ne- the next painter would be commissioned to do a similar
1: thing? Yeah, well, we, he's going to Norway or he's going to Denmark, wow. Queen of Denmark, and, you know, and... Uh, Did you I, ever have the
0: privilege of handing over these paintings personally to anyone? No,
1: who? no, I used to deal with uh, uh, a woman called Rika, Rika, oh, well, I can't even remember her surname, wonderful old Afrikaans woman, and... Uh, she would phone me and say, We need a. He's going to Denmark or he's going to England or he's going to America. And I know that, that uh, at, at the Clinton uh, Foundation, his painting's in his office. Because if you go on to Rolling Stone magazine and they say, What is in Clinton's office? At the, the, and it's got there a fantastic leopard painting that was handed over to him from the. Nelson Mandela, and, and, and it's mine. So, so yeah. for,
0: that's incredible, and congratulations. Yeah. But yeah. did you know that Clinton would want a Leopard painting? Or was that No, no, it's well? so
1: something that they, they just chose from what I get, I, I've okay, given them. Okay, so you yeah. gave them a collection and they chose Correct. that. Correct, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Thank yeah. you
0: for sharing that. Mm. Now, we're here tonight, of course, in this wonderful pub. You can hear the atmosphere in the background. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the, the the innings get greater, of course. The oh, Bowling yeah. figures
1: are getting oh, finished, yes, no, no, yeah. You know what it's the, like. The, the, the older we get, the better we were. Of course we were. You, you, you know the story.
0: And uh, so what, what, what do you think about this thing that that, that we're in support of tonight, the Sporting Legends? I mean, it's a, it's a great initiative, isn't it?
1: I think it's unbelievable. I think anything that supports people in trouble or, or, or battling is, is, is fantastic and I, I'm i quite involved with it myself in Joburg and all the rest. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Anybody who's trying to help other people is... And, and it goes back to those days of camaraderie
0: of the changing room, doesn't it? How you sort of kind of stick
1: together. Oh, no, absolutely, you know, you, you help each other. That's, uh, you team and you back, back each other and you, yeah. and uh, these guys are doing a fantastic job. And I'm very pleased to finally be a part of it. I thought I was left out, you know. No,
0: I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they were, they were waiting for the right No, no, they were
1: now. Well, that's what sort of Tomo and them told me. You know. <laughs> no,
0: yeah. I can see the warmth in which you were greeted when you were arrived. No, I mean, no, that, was, that yeah. was evident. No, but, uh, fantastic. Uh, no, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Right, uh, I'm here with none other than Hugh Page, uh, fast bowler with the Mean Machine, back in the day, of course. Yes. You're back <laughs> in Port Elizabeth, Hugh. What's it like to be back in Eastern Cape?
4: Oh, it's great. You know, it's always nice to come back here because i played in an era where I believe cricket was played in the manner in which it should be and certainly uh, whilst we were competitive on the field we made a lot of great mates off the field so you know, to come back uh, all these years later and to catch up with all these guys and reminisce and tell the same stories we told 20 years ago, they're still quite uh, humorous anyway. But
0: everybody seems to be getting better in their memories, that's how it
4: no, is. No, well that's it, you know you gather quite a few years. Uh, Yards as you get older, and you score a lot more hundreds. You know, so
0: What do you think special about this organisation, these sporting legends that we're supporting here tonight?
4: Well, you know, when you're away from the sporting setup and you're not with all the guys that you played with, you sort of, I suppose, you forget how important uh, a role they played in our lives and 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 the friendships that we made, and so on. And suddenly you come back into the setup, and you feel like. It's it's it, it happened yeah you know, just not long ago and uh, you know the friendships are still there you know and the the understanding of one another and the respect for one another is also important and it's always there and it's just nice to see the guys it's 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 uh, probably a little disappointing to see how some of the guys have aged myself included um, but that aside it you know that's what sports are all about you know I always believed that you played it as hard as you could on the park but you enjoyed it as much as you could off off the park and you know, I suppose with the cricket as it was in those days with uh, isolation we had to go about it in that way, in that manner And uh, I suppose I'm very appreciative. I'm often asked by people am I uh, bitter that I never played the official international cricket and uh, how could I ever be bitter? Envious? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't envious but certainly uh, I mean, you know, it was what it was and we had to make the most of it. Yeah.
0: I mean, you were part of a, a generation of South African cricketers that, yes, arguably we can say that uh, probably did uh, the world stage missed out on.
4: Yeah, Fantastic I mean, players. certainly, I mean, particularly from a batting point of view, we had so many great batsmen over that period. And then, you know, there were obviously some fine bowlers and fast bowlers, Stephen Jeffries, Master of Contemporaries that were outstanding basketballers and they would have been great, uh, I suppose, spectacles for those that love cricket around the world.
0: I mean, as a historian, I was obviously drawn to the Eastern Cape. I mean, this was the first ever test match played just down the road here at St. George's. What does, uh, what does sport, and cricket in particular, in this part of the world mean to you? I mean, it, does it yeah. have a strong heritage, a strong identity?
4: Well, yeah, very much so. I mean, funny enough, I finished in 1996, 95-96, and I came down here on a number of occasions. Near Grahamstown, we played at a place called Salem. And I thought I loved cricket, but I didn't realise how much that community, the Grand Town Cricket community and so on, how much they love their cricket and uh, I mean you realise that obviously this is where it all started. And, uh, and you can understand why these people love the, the game they, the way they do. It's amazing. I mean,
0: my, my show's called Frontierland. We look at uh, we look at stories from the Eastern Cape, and you mentioned Salem. Yeah. I mean, incredible places where the settlers arrived, and what did they do? They built the school, they built the church, and what else did they build? That cricket pitch. Yeah, and yeah. it's, it's, it's you, You're stepping back in time, but it's uh, there's a pineapple tournament, of course, in that it area. Is, yes. You've got this rich heritage of cricket not just at the top level, not just at St George's Park but in the communities which we yeah. can compare of course when we look to the English counties and village system, the hierarchy yeah. and that's, do you think there's a link there with we produce so many great cricketers Well over very here?
4: much so, I mean a lot of those names that are featured in, in South African cricket over the last 10 to 20, 30, 40 years are family names and they come out of the Eastern Cape And and you know you've not only had one or two members of the family that have played provincial cricket but uh, yeah, a number of families over a number of generations, which for me is the most encouraging thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah no. And uh, the current setup, I mean, it's uh, we just we just yeah. lost
4: yeah. lost to England in a Test
0: match. But um, can you see seeds of hope? I mean, we're we're still we're still ranked very strongly. Yes, I mean,
4: I think our ranking is flattering, to be honest with you, team. But I do think, you know, we we are fortunate because I think administratively, I think the game is is in a poor state and I, I'm not having a cheap shot at uh, CSA but I, it, I think it's a factor that it's poorly right. And I said but you know when you look at the schooling setup here and the schooling system there's so many fine cricketing schools that produce cricketers year in year out and as I used to say to people when I was involved from a selection point of view, administratively when I finished the game, that uh, from a playing point of view in that you know the nursery is full it's what you do with those seedlings when they come out of school and and for me that's been the greatest worry and greatest concern yeah, yeah.
0: and I mean there's undoubtedly a lot of talent in this country and that goes across all sports of course doesn't yeah, it
4: very much so I mean yeah I mean I, I I'm an old King Edwards boy where uh, yeah the most recent lot coming out of there would probably uh, I would say Graham Smith, Adam Bucher, Neil McKenzie, and obviously Quentin DeCock. So we've had some, but I go back there and I, I love watching you know, the, the kids play cricket at Test because there's, the quality of cricket is outstanding, the quality of rugby is outstanding, and it's representative, which for me is the most encouraging thing.
0: So just explain to the listeners what you're doing here in peer at the moment. We're here with the Sporting Legends. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it's an organisation that I wasn't aware of. I'm too honest, but yeah. after tonight, I can see that this goes back a long way.
4: Yeah. Well, I think um, yeah, you know, Clark does an amazing job with it. You know, he runs it, and you know, there always, I suppose, will be and have been uh, players, ex-players that have, for whatever reason. Fallen on hard times, and you know they provide help for those kind of guys, and I think that's so important. And you know, you know, you're only flattered to be a part of it. You know, the fact that I got a call to come down to P and ask to you know play in the golf day and maybe be involved with their dinner tomorrow night is. Is I suppose uh, is, is is very flattering for me and it's just uh, an honor to be a part of it.
0: No, it's fantastic and you can see for me it's a privilege to stand back and watch the dynamic in that room tonight. It seems like the changing room has come alive again.
4: Yeah, well I mean I was lucky enough to play in that area where we didn't have... So we played against one another a lot and I just love the fact that we could play competitively. And at the end of the day, yeah, maybe sometimes we didn't behave as well as we should have on the park. But if we had a beer at the end of the day or a cool drink or whatever it may be, we had a chance to bury the hatchet. And those friendships are still as strong as ever. And I'm not sure to you know, talk about myself, but you can see the bond amongst all the guys is just incredible. And I think that's what, for me, has probably been the greatest thing about it. You know the friendships I've made through the game.
0: And we talk about the perhaps the lack of opportunity due to the politics of the country during an era. Do yeah. the old-time players? I'm sorry if I'm calling you old time yeah, no, but do, do you do you, do you feel yeah. resentful for the kind of money that's in professional sport now?
4: Not at all. I, I think it's like anything. Yeah, uh, things improve, standards get better. I mean, I look at some of the. The, the the shots that these batsmen are playing today, some of the deliveries that the bowlers are are, are providing, and I, you've got to admire it. But it's it's all due to I suppose science and yeah technology. Guys have got everything available at their fingertips, and suddenly now you you're getting you know amazing performances from individuals, and I. You know, I, I'm glad that the guys are able to earn good money out of it. Yeah, you know, as I say, um, yeah, we missed out, but uh, I would love to have the opportunity, yeah, you know, all things being equal, to to enjoy what the guys are doing today. But
0: no, it's incredible when you think about. Uh, it's a, it's an ultimate privilege, isn't it,
4: to be paid to play a sport you love? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just sort of digress, lucky. I mean, I'm so disappointed with this whole. War that's going on in the golfing setup, you know, with Live Golf and the PGA and the European Tour. I just think it's so sad. At the end of the day, we all individuals, and what you may choose, I might choose differently. Uh, you know, and as long as we respect your choice and my choice, you know, I don't believe you know to go on about things like they have is 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 the right way to to move forward. And I think, in time to come. You know, it's we, it'll all even out and I think some of the guys who've got a lot to say might regret some of the statements they've been making about fellow competitors and fellow professionals.
0: Do you think that a body such as the sporting legends will exist going forward in the future or is it from a certain generation?
4: I think it might struggle because it takes special individuals to to run it and I think Borsi e. Clark you know he was a first-class cricketer. First-class rugby player, played for Western Province, through, and a very popular individual, and does an amazing job. You know. I- I mean, I like to be a part of it, but I certainly wouldn't like to run it. And you've got to admire the job that he does and the fact that he keeps it going. And hopefully when it comes time to pass on the baton, he'll do so. Yeah, That'll
0: be a legacy. But thanks, Hugh. Welcome back to PE. Thank I hope you. Enjoy your time me. here. Thank you. Absolutely let's, brilliant. Let's hope
4: you have a good round tomorrow. No. no, yeah, no let's hope, uh, thanks very much. I look Pleasure. forward to it. Thank Pleasure. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Cheers. That was Frontierland with Dr. Dean Allen. For more podcasts, visit algoafm.co.za.